We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Microsoft Teams is helping a bicycle company reinvent the way that they work. We make low-maintenance bicycles for everyday riders. Once the pandemic hit, we had nobody coming into the showroom, so we started doing virtual visits via Microsoft Teams. We're able to see two or threefold the amount of customers we used to be able to see. All of a sudden, we could open up our showroom to customers around the world. I really think it's going to set a standard for retail moving forward. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash Teams. This is the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, John Halpin. Hey, everybody, it's John Halpin. Welcome to the November 5th episode of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, Joe Bardo and I are back. We're going to review all of the week nine Sunday games, shorter schedule than usual, whatever. Um, first, let's get to your Packers from last night. So, watching that, I actually had the Packers uh, plus six and a half. I was excited. At Probably late third quarter, maybe late third, early fourth. Not remember what, what don't remember when exactly it was. And then um, Aaron Jones fumbled, and that's a tough break. This is his first fumble ever. I read. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. I mean, he he hasn't been getting the the main share of the carries, so he hasn't had as many opportunities to let us down as the Packer fans. But <laughs> uh, it, it was overdue, you know. And I would have taken the six and a half too if I was a gambling man. I, I thought that. Much like the Rams game, the Packers were going to play pretty close, and they did. They did. Um, just here's the saying that I always think of: bad teams find a way to find a way to lose, or find a way to lose. Yeah. And that's what the Packers are right now. I mean, they're they're a bad team. I understand hanging close to the Rams is great, and uh, keeping up with the Patriots for three quarters is great. The Packers are a bad team, and they're just going to find ways to lose, whether the referees are helping them, uh, which. 
you know, people, especially on Twitter, were making a big stink about that. Uh, the guy that ran into the punter that was a 15-yard penalty into a five-yard penalty, what, whatever. There was about 15 defensive players that got injured, too, throughout that game. At some point, it became, oh, yeah, all right, I know how this is going to go down. Uh, and I was anticipating it was going to be a Tom Brady-led touchdown or field goal to win the game. So Aaron Jones put me out of my misery a little bit earlier than I was hoping for. But, you know, that's, that's how it goes. Were you surprised that he got uh, benched after the fumble? No, I, I was surprised he came back into the game at one point. I, <laughs> that was, I, was, I thought I had told some of my friends, up oh, now Jones is out for two weeks. And I was not really kidding either. I was surprised to see him come back. McCarthy just is, he's going to do that. I mean, and the end game goal at this point, and it's been that way for really since Rodgers messed up his knee, how many games can we lose so we can't make the playoffs and then McCarthy's fired? That's yeah. That's what we're going for at this point. It was the same goal last year, and unfortunately... Rogers, uh, Rogers' injury derailed any chance of getting rid of McCarthy, but that—that's what we're shooting for, and uh, we we just have to get to that point. So hopefully, we beat the Bears and beat some other teams that make us look really bad if we lost them, uh, and just lose enough games where we miss the playoffs. And McCarthy's gone. That's that's what we need. All right, you got your eyes on the prize. I admire the focus. I really, yes. I really do. All right, folks. Before we get, to, we'll get back to this game a little bit later. Uh, and the, we're going to cover all the games from yesterday. Before that, remember, check us out on Twitter. Joe is at JB Fantasy Sports, and I'm at jhoppin 37 You can also tweet us at Rotowire. You can get player updates at Rotowire NFL, or you can find us on Facebook. Okay, let's start with uh, Bears Bills. And, and by the way, I was going to say, well, I had the Bills plus, and I I just got basically if there was a game I got it wrong was yesterday. Um, <laughs> and, and it looked like it was funny. It, it was seven nothing early, and the Bills were kind of driving. And it's funny. I, I was at a, a sports bar, and I see someone on the on the Bears running back, running the ball back down the sideline. And I go, "Oh, Peterman threw an interception." And that, on that particular play, it wasn't. It turned out it was a fumble, um, but it turned into a disaster. Peterman threw three more picks. I mean, there, there's not a lot that we can tell from this game. Like, if you're the Bills, I I guess you don't have a choice but to roll Peterman back out there because you literally don't have anybody else. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know. But do they have to sign a quarterback and say, we can't keep putting this guy out there because he literally throws for three or four interceptions every time he plays? This would be the situation where if Colin Kaepernick hadn't missed the last two years now, you would wonder why in the world is he not out yeah. there as a backup quarterback? Because, by God, he has to be better than Peterman. And I guarantee you he's better than Derek Anderson. I thought that was a slap in the face of not just uh, Peterman and Bills fans, but NFL fans. Tell me that Derek Anderson coming off the street after missing, you know, it feels like two years, but maybe he was playing before then in some backup capacity. That was a joke to me. Uh, and he didn't look great against the Patriots. And that concussion, I think, was more of a, a, a kind way of reminding Anderson that, that there's a reason he shouldn't be in the NFL currently. I don't know. The, the, Bear, the Bears defense is as chalky as we thought it might be in DFS and it ended up being a, a pretty good payoff. But there was a couple of different defenses that ended up probably being not better plays, but as good of plays if you want to pivot from this direction. But why would you when the Bills just can't help themselves, especially when Peterman's at, at under center? All right. Um, by the way, the Bills play at the Jets this week if you're looking to stream a defense. And Jake and I will talk more about that tomorrow. Uh, Logan Thomas caught seven passes tight end. Are you reading anything into this at all? I mean, since we're always scrounging for tight ends during bye weeks, is this something to – is there anything to see here? No, I, I don't think so. I think it's just a matter of trying to – complete a pass that wasn't going to get fumbled or intercepted and 
Logan Thomas was the main beneficiary of that. I, I don't I don't think that that's going to be any long term ramification for him. Right, and and by the way, he played mostly because Charles Clay left that game with an injury. So, um, <laughs> of course, yeah. And as far as the Bears, I mean. There's not much we can tell about this game. Like Jordan Howard got two touchdowns, but they were up by 30 points, so it's kind of hard to, you know, assess anything. Tariq Cohen, I wouldn't worry because again, they were up by a bunch of points, so they weren't his. It, it game script wise, it didn't help his cause. So if you own Tariq Cohen, sorry, you had a rough day, but oh well. Um, but the Bears' defense, funny. So Mac was out again. Roquan Smith actually played really well. 13 tackles, I think I saw. Yeah, that's right. I know. I know he had double digits. Uh, he had the forced fumble too. Yeah. Um, didn't he have a recovery as well? Whether it was returned or touched, I'm not sure. But I thought he had a recovered fumble as well. He had. He had a very good game. <laughs> yep. So that defense is is uh, it's not just Khalil Mack. It's pretty strong. All right. Yeah. But otherwise, nothing to tell here. Um, Allen Robinson was out again. Hopefully, he'll be back soon. Let's go to a more exciting game. Let's go to Panthers Bucks. Uh, that was interesting because the Panthers are up thirty-five-seven. Yes, and at the at the end of the first half, like I thought for sure that was. Well, maybe I didn't think it was done, but I I did not anticipate the Buccaneers making as valiant a comeback as they had. Um, this brings back brings back memories of the Panthers Super Bowl year when they would always get big leads and take their foot off the gas. Um, <laughs> but they did win. It, it, the one thing I, I, on the Panther side of the ball yesterday, they have a lot of pieces on offense. And I think, like, I thought McCaffrey would have a big day yesterday because they spent three weeks trying not to run because they were playing against really good run defenses. And yesterday, I kind of thought he'd get back in the mix pretty heavily. Um, they have so many pieces that beyond McCaffrey, it hurts to try to pick one. Like, J- DJ Moore was such a trendy fantasy play yesterday. And I kind of was looking at it going, much as I love the player, and, and five weeks from now, he might be there number one receiver right now. There's just, there's too much because they like mixing Curtis Samuel in, you know, and, and, and mm-hmm. they throw to Funchess a lot and they still throw to Olsen and, and there's just too many people and they throw to McCaffrey. Like I, DJ Moore's unlikely to catch seven passes for a hundred yards in a game just because they spread the ball around so much. Yeah, exactly. We were both really high on Christian McCaffrey entering this week, and I'm glad that one paid off. And we both kind of advised that maybe this isn't the week to start DJ Moore. I have to wonder that, Maybe if Curtis Samuel gets hurt or Funches gets hurt, then we start to see more of those shares for him and targets. But until that point, I'm not sure he's anything more than a Deshaun Jackson type of player where you put him in your lineup at the wide receiver two, three, or flex, and you're hoping for a touchdown. And if you don't get a touchdown, well, I don't know what kind of game you're getting from DJ Moore. This was a fantastic match against a Buccaneers defense that has been bad for what feels like three years now. And yet he wasn't able to do all that much. I, I, you know, I think you talked about uh, Christian McCaffrey as one of the main guys to own, despite diversity. I think Greg Olson's the other way to go. You talked about the tight end spot early in the Bears' bill spot. That's Greg Olson's a, a must-start at this point if you have him. Kudos to you for uh, being well, decisive enough to pick him up despite that injury to begin the season. I, you know that's he's he's Greg Olson, especially with Cam Newton under center. Those two seem to be uh, in some sort of connection and. I think that he's as consistent as they come at the tight end spot, along with McCaffrey at the running back spot. All right. On the other side of the ball, speaking of diversity, you know, you look at this team and you go, all right, well, Mike Evans gets the gets the lion's share of the targets, but you know, geez, do I like Jackson or Godwin better? But they're both playable. And I had so many people asking me about Godwin last week, and lo and behold, Adam Humphreys catches eight passes out of the slot. Yeah. Like, and I know they were playing catch up, and they were and they were kind of leaving the underneath roots open, but 
Um, that just that that's just a stake in your heart. Like if you own if you own Godwin, what do you, what are you thinking after yesterday? I think Adam Humphreys is just the open man throughout the throughout the afternoon, especially in that second half. And I wouldn't really look anything into it other than well, this stinks. <laughs> I think that's kind of how you have to go. I mean, maybe Humphreys is going to get worked back into the rotation at some point. I mean, he's kind of been the forgotten man of all those receivers, especially after how well he did. And I think you can put well in quotes uh, last season, but there was some certain viability throughout the year and we haven't seen that at all. So the fact that it kind of just sprung up here against the Panthers, who I thought were a pretty good defense, but we had talked about this on Friday and I thought, I mean, we both did that there's going to be some offense from both teams. So the fact that Adam Humphrey is providing is, is a bit disappointing, especially for Godwin owners. But, um, you know, hey, at least at least O.J. Howard was a call that we both had yes. <laughs> coming from this game. That that was a good one. That was a good one. Now, by the way, everybody, if, if you're looking ahead to see what this, what this might mean, snap rates for the Buck receivers yesterday. Mike Evans on the field for 90% of the snaps. Humphreys, 82. Godwin, 55. Deshaun Jackson, 48. So, Man. I mean, you can't play them all. I mean, you can play a lot of them when you're throwing every down, losing by 28 points. But... You know, Deshaun Jackson owners, um, little little alarm bells should be going off there, I would think. Now, look, and now I, I always say that, I always say that when ha- that happens to Deshaun Jackson and I want to write him off, then next week he catches a 70-yard touchdown. So, you know, whatever. I don't know how that's going to work. I, I suppose like in three of the last four weeks he's gotten over 70 receiving yards, so maybe there's something there. The touchdowns just aren't going to happen too often. And I, I imagine the target share – Maybe it's going to stay similar to what we've seen in the last three weeks, 9, 10, and 8 against the Browns, Bengals, and Panthers, respectively. I just don't think that you're going to see many, you know, we're not going to see many tight ends. So is he, or tight ends, touchdowns, is he a Willie Sneed then? Like, is that kind of what Adam Humphreys is going to end up being? Probably something like that. I mean, you know, high, you know, six catches, five catches, 50 right. yards, boring, not going to catch many touchdowns. So not a guy you really want. Cole Beasley, right? Yeah, there's a lot of guys yeah. like that. Um, all right, let's go to uh, Chiefs Browns. More of the same from the Chiefs side of the ball. I mean, there's there's not much to tell here, right? There's there's no there's not much insight we can provide on the Chiefs here, other than you know play them all. And that Sammy Watkins, even though the RotoWire projection system not beating up on it, but we were talking on Friday, I think, about how we were surprised at how high the RotoWire projection system had Watkins ranked. And Watkins is kind of a he's the unre- he's the most unreliable cog in this offense, right? Oh, absolutely. Without a doubt. But that's just because everyone else is so darn efficient. <laughs> right. Um, the other the other guy here, was Spencer Ware just garbage time? Is that it? Yeah. I, I was reading Mario Puig's article from last night, uh, this morning, and he was kind of talking up Ware as far as talent goes. And I don't know if anyone can really question Spencer Ware's talent a matter of opportunity. And not that that game was well in hand throughout most of the contest, right. but certainly by the end of the fourth quarter, we kind of knew what the result was going to end up being. And he mentioned, though, and, and I think there is some pause to think about that as the Chiefs kind of continue throughout this magical season, how many times do they really want to have their stars out there when the game is in hand? Maybe Hunt ends up losing a few snaps, losing a few targets, whatever, as the as the season progresses, particularly if they're ahead in the fourth quarter. He already had three touchdowns, so I, I could see being the Chiefs saying, all right, yeah, you, you've got your numbers for today. Whatever, you're out. But, you know, that is something to kind of keep in mind moving forward. They have aspirations of bigger things than just a AFC West championship. So, you know, Hunt's status could be something that 
you almost have to monitor kind of like an NBA stuff because we do the NBA podcast all the time. Oh, is this guy going to get benched because their team's going to blow him out? Well, maybe, maybe Hunt's a category for that as well. All right, the other side of this game, the, the guy I want to talk about is Duke Johnson. We've been waiting for Duke Johnson, and you know, I know everybody. I always ask, why does Hugh Jackson hate Duke Johnson? Well, Hugh Jackson's gone, and Eureka, Duke Johnson caught nine passes for 70 yards, two touchdowns. This is the Duke Johnson we want. He only ran once. I don't care, right? I mean, right. maybe I want him to run three or four times. But what I want him to do is catch six passes. And that, that's why we drafted him. You know, if you drafted him in the eighth round or the seventh round of PPR, that's what you wanted. And if you held on to him, he's 48% ownership on Yahoo right now. Is, is, is this the light at the end of the tunnel for Duke Johnson if you still thought there was some? Are you, how are you looking at this as a, as a, hey, wow, there's more of this coming? Or how cautious are you about this? Like, would you want to pick up Duke, John- Duke Johnson in a PPR league this week if you could? Well, I was going to say, yeah, this is a perfect time, especially with all the bye weeks. But the Browns have a bye week in week 11. Right. Uh, you know, it's like, oh, so wait, is he really going to be much of a value? Because his value would be when I would need to fill him in for bye week players. I, you know, I don't think that he's anything more than a flex, um, which is where you're kind of drafting would begin with last year. But that's or, more sorry, than he's been all year. Season. Right, right, right. That's what, that's what I'm saying. So I don't think his value changes much more. And frankly, he's had four catch 70-yard outings in previous weeks, now only once against the Chargers, of course. Um, it's just the touchdowns are going to happen. I don't know how frequent that will be. You look at Dave Nujoku, who was, again, not he kind of ended up missing most of the game, it feels like, for whatever reason, this back-to-back contest now where you know four catches, 53 yards. He should be the red zone target instead of Duke Johnson getting some looks there. Uh, I would imagine Jarvis Landry, however inept he is, in the red zone, we'll get more opportunities too. There's there's better players. I think Nick Chubb too, frankly, is going to get more carries around there than Duke Johnson. So the nine catches, 78 yards, yeah, that probably could have happened most often uh, moving forward, but I don't think you're going to get the touchdown. So the cap on his point total is probably going to be like 12, 15 in a PPR league. Is that is that worth putting a roster spot on when, uh, you know, as you're kind of putting together your teams? I think that I think it depends on how deep the league is and whatnot, but that's kind of the questions you have to ask yourself. Yeah, I, I think I'm I'm going after Duke if I can this week. In a, in a full point PPR, I'm going after Duke. Well, I'll I'll listen to you because you call the Devonte Booker thing, and we'll and we'll get to that later on. But you know, you you have your eye on middling running backs. I I trust your judgment right now. <laughs> my my pathetic running back situations on all my teams require me <laughs> to, to dumpster dive for running backs. Is where we are. You've got a lot of practice doing it. <laughs> Falcons Redskins uh we talked about how the Falcons have a little fight in them and they do um and their their defense is going to get stronger they're not going away folks uh Julio Jones Eureka he finally got a touchdown he fought for that one too didn't he oh yeah he did he knew that there was no other way he was going to score unless he had to break through that tackle in ridiculous fashion he really did um well good for Julio good for Julio's owners finally getting the touchdowns even if it was late um, Calvin really did okay. Uh, Tevin Coleman, it's about damn time that that guy did yeah. something. I mean, when, when Devontae Freeman got hurt, we were all like, all right, Tevin Coleman's ready to roll, and, and his past history with Freeman out suggests that he's going to perform, and he hadn't done anything. And yesterday he was terrific. I mean, the first one was a catch and run. It was all him. Right. But uh, this is – now what? They're playing the yeah. Browns this week. Now what? Are you ready? I mean, if, you're, if you have Tevin Coleman, you're starting him in week 10. It's pretty clear considering the volume. Yesterday he got a total of – 18 touches. Yeah, we had talked about Edo Smith as the guy to rob. Scored a touchdown 
too. And I think he scored the second of the three running back touchdowns. So it was Coleman, Ito, Coleman. And Coleman, like you said, had to work for that first touchdown, kind of make it happen for himself. I wonder, I get a little bit concerned. You have to start Coleman. I agree with you. But I get a little bit concerned that the Falcons coaching staff just saw Coleman get hot, quote unquote, that game and decide, all right, we're going to work him in. This is perfect. And he responded with the mod touchdowns. And then if he's not hot next week against the Browns, are we going to see more Edo Smith? I, I don't know. That's that's my concern. He's he's a quality talent. I've been really high on Coleman even since uh, when they first drafted him. I thought he was arguably way better than Devonta Freeman at that point. We didn't even see all the injuries happen. It's encouraging to see him get 13 carries, uh, which was the most since week five. Like, why haven't we been giving? And all right, whatever. I'm I'm not a I'm not a better Tevin Coleman owner. I'm not going to do that right now on the podcast. But uh, I was it was encouraging to see the kind of production he could put together. And I think against the Browns, should he get the similar workload? I think we're not going to see three touchdowns or two touchdowns, but we're going to see close to 100 total yards and probably four or five catches, which is Duke Johnson numbers. But if they're on the one yard line, who's getting the ball? Probably Matt Ryan or, or like whoever the backup tight end is. Uh, fade besides to, Austin. I was going to say, yeah, fade to someone other than Julio. Austin Hooper. Right. Um, on the other side of the ball here, uh, it was a blowout, so you need to take that into account. But uh, Maurice Harris playing the slot. And, you know, we, we, we've talked a little bit about over the last couple of weeks about, you know, the last man standing thing in the Redskins receiving core, but then still no one has done much. Um, Doxon caught a touchdown. He didn't still up. But Maurice Harris running the slot. Uh, the, the Falcons seem to be, I wish I could, I hate when I get to this point and there's, and don't do the proper attribution. But someone on Twitter was talking last night about the Falcons being very vulnerable out of the slot. And Maurice Harris capitalized on it. I mean, you know, that was another one. The game was 30, you know, 28 to 7 or whatever. Right. And they were just throwing underneath that guy. But um, Yeah, I'm not I'm not chalking too much up to that one. Uh, I will say he'll probably be my number one starter in stake league next week because my team is just decimated by bye weeks nice. and ineptitude. So, I mean, <laughs> look forward to that. Uh, Brandon Powell, and we'll get to that in just a little bit for the Lions, end up being my third-string wide receiver, and he put up a good old zero points for me then. Mm-hmm. So count Maurice uh, Harris as that next guy whenever I have to start mistake. Like, I can tweet it out. I'll let people know when Maurice Harris is going to get zero points because I'll just tell him he's in my lineup, and then we'll be set. All right, let's go to Jets. Jets-Dolphins. Not a lot to talk about here. I mean, literally no offensive touchdowns. Um, Sam Darnold's really struggling. Uh, interesting. I think on the Jets side of the ball, Elijah McGuire was the interesting one because because we were speculating, we collective we in the fantasy football analyst world, how much work Elijah McGuire would get. He got ten touches. I mean, they they like him, and, and I'm not surprised, you know, because last week Trenton Cannon got some touches, but McGuire they like McGuire better, and 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 I think we can probably figure eight, ten, twelve touches moving forward, right? Yeah, yeah, I, I think so, and and that's actually enough to warrant a roster spot, especially with bye weeks still being pretty heavy here for Week Ten. I, I think that, well, frankly, he's probably picked up in a lot of different leagues because most people anticipate something like this. And as he gets a little bit more healthy, I bet you ten targets become or ten touches comes fifteen tar- uh, touches, and maybe it moves into twenty at some point down the road. Especially if the Jets are out of contention, like he kind of represents their best young back, right? He do, I think they see him as more – he's more of a passing down back, I okay. think. But well, they'll probably okay. trail him too, you know? Right. Yeah, that, what we've seen, as, as soon as I got – we heard the report on how bad that field was, I picked up every bit of Dolphins and Jets defenses that were available in my leagues. Yeah. Uh, I, mean that, I mean, we had talked about them as a streaming candidate anyway, but 
the fact that that field was so bad kind of just set the stage for what I figured would be a very low scoring contest from both teams. Cause neither offense is fantastic and they're missing people from injuries certainly, but that those are just two bad teams that play in a bad field. What 19 points total is kind of the result I was expecting. Yeah. And for background, the university of Miami played on there what Saturday night. Yes. Yeah. Um, all right. So the other side of the ball here, poor Kenyon Drake. You're, I, th- you're, I thought we were you're beyond owned this. Kenyon Drake. You're recently acquired Kenyon Drake. Yes, that's right. Well, did I? Did we close that trade? We accepted I, it, I but accepted it. get processed until next week. Yeah. Oh, thank goodness I didn't get because so, I would have started him yesterday. <laughs> um, let me. See, I just want to see the snap count on the Dolphins here. I don't see it. Come on, hold on. All right, sorry everybody. I'm trying to see the snap count on Drake and Gore. Uh, okay, so the, it was an equal snap. It was an e- it was it, Gore twenty nine snaps, Drake twenty eight snaps, and Gore gets twenty carries and Drake gets three. What on earth are they? Ugh. Here's the good news. Here's the good news for Kenyon Drake owners is that they play the Packers next week, and the Packers won't know how to stop a receiving running back out of the backfield. He's going to get at least one touchdown. He's going to get at least six catches, and you're going to have a good fantasy day. I can assure you. One week of the season, Kenyon Drake will do very well, and it is next week against the Packers. I don't believe you. I, I don't. I you, don't try. I don't trust. I don't trust this at all. You can. You cannot trust the Dolphins, and you cannot trust the science, but you have to trust the Packers' ineptitude at stopping a receiving back. James White torched them for that first drive, and I was surprised, frankly, that they didn't utilize him more. I think the injury was the only reason why White didn't get over 400 total yards that game. I'm telling you, Kenyon Drake's going to have a good game. It's against the Packers, and the Packers suck at stopping those kind of players. All right. There's a bitter Packers fan assessment for you, everybody. I mean, you can take that however <laughs> you want. That could be a whole segment. Just every five minutes that crops up, I, right. I could definitely throw some of those out there. Really? No matter who, no matter who's on the podcast, everyone, no matter who comes on with me, it's a bitter Packers fan, unless it's Haney. So <laughs> it's just every, you know, Jake, what about the Packers? Oh, Mike McCarthy sucks. <laughs> Derek, what do you think? Oh, I can't even watch them anymore. It's terrible. <laughs> All right, um, Vikings and Lions. Vikings win twenty-four to nine. Snap count in the backfield for the Vikings. Dalvin Cook's limited package became twenty-four snaps for him, twenty-one for Latavius Murray. Maybe a little more aggressive than we thought. Interesting stat pointed out by it was probably next gen on Dalvin Cook, who had a seventy-yard run at one point. He reached twenty point oh seven miles per hour, the fastest speed re- recorded by a ball carrier this season. Yeah. So, I mean, he's healthy. We knew the talent level of Cook was undeniable as a matter of him being healthy. And you're right. He did look healthy. And frankly, Latavius Murray's early touchdown that almost was a Kyle Rudolph touchdown because the fumble on that first drive for the Vikings kind of saved our call on Latavius Murray being the way to go. Otherwise, we would have looked with a lot of egg in our face, I should say. So, you know, Delvin Cook, when he's healthy, I don't. Uh, well, that's that's something we should probably ask. Like, how many snaps is Delvin Cook going to get if he's fully healthy as that lead back for the Vikings? Is it eighty percent of it, eighty-five, ninety? Like Murray's kind of established a role on that Vikings team, but is that role going to be enough to kind of make you wary about using Cook moving forward? Right. Uh, I, I think he gets most. So um, I don't know exactly what that means, but way to dodge my numbers percentage. Way to go on that, John. Come I think, on now. I think 80. Because <laughs> it's good, I think, to keep Cook healthy using Murray's because Murray's a solid sidekick. 
Yeah. So maybe it's 75, maybe it's 65. Like, I hear what you're saying. Like, why, why would you, with Dalvin Cook's history, even though he's really good, it depends on the game script, right? Like, yes. if, if you're in a game where you think you, you might be looking okay, then why wouldn't you take it easy on that guy? That's, a, that's the type of guy you'd want to maybe lighten up the workload on. And you, I think you mentioned the pivotal point in that conversation, and the game script will dictate a lot of this, but I don't know if the Vikings are a good enough team to win without unleashing Cook. Now, I think they would have won against the Lions last, uh, last night, or yesterday, I should say. They're, they just seem, they're not that good of a team right now, and I think that Golden Tate did a trade, did a lot of stuff mentally to the Detroit, but Delvin Cook's a player that has such talent for that Vikings offense that Murray can't replicate that. Nothing against Murray. He's a quality number two guy. Um, and he can be a fill in starter when you need to, but Cook's talent is such where I think that the Vikings are going to have to rely on him to make it to the playoffs. If they want to make it to the playoffs, Cook's going to have to be a big part of that. He's just so explosive. He can do the catching aspect too. He's a pretty good pass blocker from the bit that I was watching because we have to watch these uh, NFC North games despite every bit of me not wanting to. I mean, yeah. those aren't just local television. We have to sit through them. He's a pretty good pass blocker from the time that we saw him out there. I imagine that if they're going to have aspirations to make the playoffs, Cook's going to be a major part of that you know, run to that spot, which is probably going to be the five or six seed. Yeah, and, and by the way, anything, anything we're saying about Hey, Dalvin Cook might only play sixty-five or sixty percent of the snaps. Even if that's the case, it doesn't scare me away from starting him. No, absolutely not. Absolutely um, not. Other side of this one. So, we talked last week about the Lions trading Golden Tate. So, Theoretic catches seven passes, right? Seven for thirty-six, which is yep. boring and low ceiling PPR. He ran some. Okay, so Theoretic, though, I'm, I'm gathering. T- I'm. I'm Cobbling together numbers from people on Twitter here. Theoretic played 39 snaps. So it looks like five out of the slot and eight lined up out wide. So, because when I, when I saw this morning, I saw some slot news and I kind of went, oh, he basically replaced Tate. Not really. He was on the field plenty, but he was, he was out of the backfield most of the time. And filling in a little bit, like maybe filling in a little more where Tate was than he would have before. But it's not like, hey, Theoretic's the new slot receiver. That's that's not it. They were motioning him around quite a bit. And we've seen a lot more jet sweeps in the NFL, I think, recently. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, based off of college. Yeah, yeah. Okay, great. They kind of used Riddick in that role that you would see the Chiefs do, only significantly worse team being the Lions <laughs> as opposed to the Chiefs. They were motioning him all over the place and kind of utilizing him as the the, the key to break or kind of see whatever the Vikings defense was doing. And they were able to move the ball pretty effectively. They just couldn't get in the red zone. I mean, that was kind of the difference at the game um, that they just couldn't capitalize on the, on the field position and score a touchdown. It was a lot of field goals. So Riddick could be a, a part of that offense and kind of making it work. I don't know how frequent he'll be in, you know, we talk about Brandon Powell, TJ Jones. I don't know when either of those guys can be truly effective. It was a lot of Kenny Galladay, and it was a lot of Marvin Jones. I mean, I think he was a little bit underrated underneath Golden Tate's shadow as far as a truly talented wide receiver. And this might be like the biggest beneficiary of that Golden Tate, Golden Tate trade might actually end up being Marvin Jones. All right. One other thing I want to mention here, and I've talked about this with Jake on Tuesdays about the idea that the, the two quarterbacks, when we talk about cutting people, you know, I keep saying, well, in, sh- in shallow leagues, you know, how far do we want to push this? And the, the two names I had been bringing up were Russell Wilson and Stafford. 
And Russell Wilson, you know, he threw three touchdowns a week for the last three weeks before yesterday. He actually ran for 40 yards yesterday, which is nice. But Stafford here, I don't know. I mean, this is just, it's, it's, there's nothing going on here with him, right? It's just okay. He's throwing a decent amount of touchdowns, but he's not throwing a lot. Even yesterday, I mean, it perked up a little, but I don't know. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know that, anyway, I'm rambling, but. Well, the thing in shallow leagues, shallow leagues is that you can probably get by that quarterback if you really need to. Yes. More than likely, there are going to be the Mahomes, Rodgers, Brady, Breeze, Roethlisberger guys that are out there starting every single week, and you probably own one. Like I'm thinking eight, maybe ten team leagues, you probably own one of these guys. There is no reason to roster a second quarterback when you have those types of players unless there's bye weeks that you have to worry about. If you don't, the leftovers, which I would imagine are about 15 quarterbacks, is enough to put together a reasonable roulette. You have to get it right, and that's the crappy part, but there's going to be guys that go off. I mean, think about Ryan Fitzpatrick probably this week in, in shadow leagues could have been a very viable option to yep. do rule like quarterback. So yeah, no, I understand that there's, there's no reason to have two quarterbacks. If you're in the, um, just by the virtue of there's going to be other options out there that wasting the roster spot on that position doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect, there are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. All right. Let's go to Steelers-Ravens. Uh, James Conner, terrific again. Um, every week, Le'Veon Bell just, you know, makes himself look more and more replaceable, but whatever. Uh, other side of this game, I mean, another one. We didn't learn a ton about anybody on the Steelers. You know, they are what they are, generally. The Ravens, the way they played the last few weeks, they started better to where we thought their offense was kind of okay. Are they showing their true colors now, or are they slumping now? Well, I was surprised that there was so much scoring in this one, honestly. I mean, 39 points, I don't know what the over-under was. was but 40, I, I think it was 48. Okay, see, now I would have taken, I would have taken the under, under 40. So, like, the, you know, like that's this is, this is an AFC North game, and it was kind of what we expected, and there was only five mentions of, oh, look at all those bruises and hard-hitting stuff, yada, 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 which are uh, a sign and, and should not be mentioned in today's game anyway. Um but you know what? I, I think the Ravens is just not that good. But yeah. that's that's kind of the thing with it. The Ravens' offense isn't that good. John Brown really made that team a lot better than what we, we thought it would be. And now he's kind of being identified as the key piece to that offense. And he doesn't get much going on a week. And I think if they struggle to get pass interference calls, which I think they had two when I was watching, if those don't happen, they're not moving the ball very effectively. Thank God for Justin Tucker's range. Otherwise... You know, this would be a team that probably is missing out on six to eight, six to nine points every single week because they can't get paid. Right. It, John Brown, for the last five weeks, he has killed you. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, four for 58, two for 28, then seven for 134 and one, three for 28, three for 17. Killed you. I mean, he's, he, he's, he's become that risky play that, I mean, next week they've got to buy. Maybe when they play the Ravens in a few weeks, Falcons after that. But, you know, John Brown has become has gone from top 20 fantasy receiver to, oh, man, I don't know if I want that guy to play. 
And other than the squadron of tight ends that they throw on a weekly basis, how many of those guys do you really want? Uh, may not roster, because I think that you'd want to roster Alex Collins, maybe Buck Allen and Crabtree and Brown are probably all rosterable, but how many of those guys do you want to start? Right. I think the, the only startable guy is Justin Tucker. That's the only guy I feel great <laughs> starting about on a week-to-week basis, which is weird. Like, if you don't like any of their offensive players, why would you go with the kicker? But Justin T- Tucker is just so darn good that it makes sense to roll with him. All right. And the other one there, the guy you would think of, Alex Collins, who gets the ball enough. He was a little, he was questionable yesterday, but he played okay. He got a touchdown, which, I mean, that saved him because otherwise he didn't do a heck of a lot. But he's been carried the last three weeks, carries 11, 11, 9. So, I mean. When by- do we give up on Alex Collins? Is he, is he the, is he one of the bigger, I won't draft this guy again players. Yes. I, I mean, like he was one of the, I think of Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson has burned me so hard this season. Uh, maybe I'm just a vengeful stake league owner that's frustrated by his production, but I'm, I'm through with Allen Robinson for the last time. Is, is Alex Collins among those names this season? Uh, he has scored what? Uh, four, six touchdowns this season. Yeah. So like, next, he's getting those or seven touchdowns. So I don't know. Next, next year. The thing is this year he was, he crept up into the, I think, early fourth round. He was kind of at the three, four turn. Next year, he'll be more like sixth, and maybe it'll be worth it. Yeah, my, my, only, my only concern with that is the reason he fell, or fell, he, the reason he got to that fourth round was because after the second round, the running back spot, there was not a lot of guys that you could really count on. Darius Geist was like the value play at the back end of the second round in drafts this year, and that's why we saw Marshawn Lynch's and Alex Collins get up to that fourth and fifth round because there wasn't a lot of people to fill in that spot. And if you were one of those drafters that has to have two wide receivers, two running backs, and a tight end or whatever after round five, well, Alex Collins probably was your only chance at doing that. I don't know. He, he hasn't gotten over 70 rushing yards this season. I, he's There's there's talent there, and I trust a lot of, a lot of really smart guys have talked up uh, Alex Collins so much where I, I know that there's talent there, but uh, I haven't seen a lot of it this year. As I'll put it nicely. I, I, I totally get what you mean on that one. Um, next game, Chargers Seahawks. Uh, interesting ending, definitely. Yes. Um, Baldwin on the Seahawks side. Baldwin four for seventy-seven. He seems to be perking up a little bit. I mean, he's still not getting targeted a ton because they still don't throw a ton because they like to run. But he, you know, things are better. Uh, Russell Wilson, we talked about yesterday. Sorry, he threw 39 times yesterday. I shouldn't say that about yesterday. Um, let's see. So Chris Carson re-aggravates his hip injury. So now Mike Davis becomes a very viable guy. He carried 15 for 62. He caught seven passes for 45 yards. Mike Davis becomes an extremely viable pickup heading into week 10. He's probably going to hedge your running back list. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, we talk about those guys from Yahoo under, under 50% under-owned. Uh, you know, I think Davis becomes... It mean that part of the conversation. I'll say I watched every single second of that game because I was doing, uh, you know, notes for the Chargers like I do every week. And Mike Davis, Carson, they all looked the same. I had no idea that Carson was out until midway through the third quarter when they're like, "Oh yeah, Chris Carson has been playing." I'm like, "Oh, okay, all right." Like I, I just can't tell any difference. They're all kind of nondescript to me and and not very good. And the Doug Baldwin thing, I would say, you know, I don't have exact stats, but I bet you over half of his yards came from just two big receptions and it was not broken coverage, but it was more of a nice throw by Wilson as opposed to anything Baldwin was doing. Okay. Otherwise they had him pretty much shut down. Like that was a, that was a pretty good performance from a Chargers defense that, you know, there's some, there's some, team, uh, but with Joe, 
back-to-back, that's going to be that's going to be a playoff-worthy defense to match the playoff-worthy offense. All right, on the Chargers side of things, the, the weird guy here, Keenan Allen had a big game, which he hasn't had a lot of this year, so good for him. Tyrell Williams. <laughs> the guy's got four touchdowns in his last three games. And you're tempted to chase him because of that. You look at the production and you go, I'm really tempted to go after this guy. But he was two for, you know what, two for 23 on, on, on three targets, but he got his touchdown. He's owned 45% of Yahoo leagues. I mean, I, I'm t- don't go after Tyrell Williams, right? No, no. And I've been saying that for a while now. And he makes me look bad with these touchdowns. Yeah. But this is a situation he hasn't got over four receptions in any game at all this season. And he hasn't got over five targets. Like this is the only reason this is working is because he's getting those long touchdowns or a touchdown. Otherwise you look completely foolish for starting Williams or picking up Williams on a week to week basis. And like at some point that luck runs out at some point, he just doesn't find his way into the end zone. And it's not like he's getting targeted frequently there either. This is, it's just a situation where he's in the right place at the right time. I would, I would rather pick up Mike Williams. And I know that's weird because he only had one catch, but this is a more explosive player who they target frequently on big plays that has just not been able to capitalize on them yet. Whereas Williams has, that's the difference between those two players right now. All right. Um, Next up, Texans Broncos. Um, Jeff Hireman. Whoa. Yeah. What, what do we make of that? I fluke? Because that guy's been – the only good games he had had were against the Chiefs before. And those were four catch games, I think, against the Chiefs. And yesterday he catches 10. I mean, the first game without Demaryius Thomas, Jeff Hireman catches 10 passes. Do you put two and two together and say, jackpot for a tight end? I mean, not jackpot, but again, tight ends are terrible. So right. Do you want to pick this guy up? League, you have to pick him up, right? Certainly, I guess. I mean, what are the Broncos next week? Do we know? Hold on. Yeah, good question. Uh, I, I mean, like he's been he's been an enigma since it feels like he entered the league. He was talked up so much as a guy that could be by week uh, ten. By the way, sorry. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. By week. By week. Okay. So yeah. Uh, but he's he's been a guy that everyone thought was going to be successful tight end at some point, especially when he came into the league, and we just haven't seen that. I don't think that the Demarius Thomas trade has any inflection on change as to his value. I I just think that this was a weird kind of game where the Texans were apparently susceptible to getting destroyed by a a second or third tier kind of tight end. All right. Um, Otherwise in this game, um, the Texans runners, I mean, they, they both ran some and didn't do anything. So that's a, you know, Lamar Miller is just infuriatingly annoying. Last week he had 113 yards this week. He did this. Um, QT was out, so the way the Texans' receiving core is going to look is probably a TBD. They only threw the ball. I mean, Watson threw the ball 24 times, so so we didn't learn a lot there. Devontae Booker, though, he catches the ball when he plays, right? A little bit. Yeah, and he gets the uh, apparently the goal line carries. Yes. Too, the, I, I mean, and it makes sense because Philip Lindsay looks like he should be on the cast of Sandlot as opposed to an NFL player. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know what? I, I, it's it, it's frustrating as a guy that owns Lindsay, and I can tell you what I would gladly get rid of my Lindsay shares if I had any better options. I, I just don't know. That's the exact reason why I don't feel great about using him. He's a talented running back, but they they don't feel comfortable running him between the tackles at all, at all. And he can, which is frustrating to me. It's frustrating to watch coaches n- 
poorly manage their their really their only explosive players. And that's what's happened with Lindsey. He can run between the tackles. They just are choosing not to run with him, and that's exactly how Booker gets you know a little bit of a dinky touchdown in the first quarter. A Lindsey thirty eight snaps, Booker twenty six snaps yesterday, and they're on a bye in week ten. And Royce Freeman due back in week eleven, most likely. So not a lot to to like about Devontae Booker moving forward. Not that there was a ton to like anyway, but there was a little bit to like. Saints Rams, that was fun. It looked like it was going to be a blowout for a while. Fun game. It was yeah. fun. Michael Thomas blew up. That was that in particular was fun. I thought the the interesting thing I want to touch. And it's only mildly interesting. Again, back to that tight end nonsense. Gerald Everett finally caught a few passes. I think a couple of them were on a on a two minute drill, right? A couple in a row. At least two. At yeah. least two were in that situation. I know exactly which drive we're talking about. I couldn't tell you for certain if it was more than two, but I, I feel pretty confident that Everett had two. That he was kind of open in the middle and doing the crossing routes, and that's what he's been doing best too. I kind of I saw the same thing against the Packers last week, where I was like, oh, you know what, if if you need to sc- uh, scrape the bottom of the barrel for a tight end, I think Everett might be the way to go. Yeah, the problem is he's pr- he's probably fifth in the pecking order in their passing game. I think that's saying that that's that's nicely. I mean, there's a situation where he could probably be even lower than that. Yeah. I, I like to own players that are in good offenses because there's you never know when they could just kind of stumble in for a touchdown or someone leaves Everett or you know is completely open. Malcolm Brown gets completely open, something like that. Just and then you get a touchdown. Then right then and there, there you get their value for what you're hoping for that week. Because chances are you're not having to start Gerald Everett on a weekly basis. You're just hoping to get a touchdown or four or five catches. Just give me seven points. Right. Give me seven points from that spot. And I think that for upside plays, Everett is probably one of the best seven point guys you can find in free agency at the moment. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Um, like you said, Michael Thomas did blow up. The other thing, uh, everybody, th- th- this is. Te- Eight years ago, whatever, 10 years ago, whatever it was, I always used to joke that the Saints, on the Saints receiving core, well, Graham was there, but you'd say, all right, I can start Marcus Colston. After that, I never know who's going to do what. It might be Derry Henderson. It might be Robert Meacham. You might not be familiar with these names, everyone, but no, that's what yeah. happened, and that's where we are again. Trey, because I, I felt like Traquan Smith was kind of buzzy last week, and he got three targets. He caught a touchdown, which, you know, if you started him, hey, good for you, but... Please, please don't think you can count on Traquan Smith to produce because it's going to be inconsistent. It's going to be Thomas. It's going to be Kamara in the receiving game. And after that, you know, good luck trying to figure it out. Yeah, I will say I was completely wrong in how this game was going to go. I thought if the Saints, if you told me the Saints were going to score 40 points, I, w- I would have felt they lost, frankly. I, I would have thought yeah. that they were having to outscore the Rams, and I just thought the Rams were going to do, were going to do better in the outscoring category. It was going to have to be a slower-paced game. And that ended up not being the case. Now, they near, they very nearly gave the game away. I mean, they had a pretty significant advantage even into the third quarter. Um, but that's kind of more – you just are not going to be able to keep that Rams offense down forever, similar to the Patriots. You're just – they're, they're going to get 28 points just walking into the building, it feels like. Uh, you just have to score more than that. So that's something I'm going to have to keep, keep in mind moving forward, that there's no way to ugly it up against the Rams team. That, that there's just no way. They're going to be too effective, too efficient, and four or five touchdowns every week – that's almost a formality, it feels like, for Los Angeles. And if you just can score more, that's kind of the way you have to end up winning the game. All right, let's move on to uh, more of Pat's Packers. We talked about Aaron Jones. Um, we talked Friday about uh, Marcus Valdez-Scantling, who you were very high on. He caught three for 101. Just look, passes the eye test for sure. Um, you know, the measurables are good. Is he sort of here to stay now? I mean, at, at some, at, when Geronimo, Al- Geronimo Allison's ready, 
why would he play over this guy? Well, I think Geronimo Allison is, he has a little bit more repertoire with Aaron Rodgers. And that's the only reason why Scantling has a speed factor that I don't think we've seen at that wide receiver spot in some time. Like I think peak Jordy Nelson is the fastest time that we've, we've seen Scantling. Like he's, he's, he's real. He's, he's the real deal. And he's not just some stringy wide receiver either too. Like we've had that quite a bit um, with those six or seventh round picks that are tall. They're really talented. They have pretty good rock running, but they're not all that fast. And they're really thin, like 180 pounds, but six foot four thin. He's not that, I mean, he can bulk up certainly. And I, I anticipate he probably will. If you've looked at, the, the careers of Randall Cobb and even Devontae Adams to some extent, they've added muscle after their second and third and fourth years. Scantling will probably do the same thing, but the speed aspect is the part that's tantalizing to me. Rodgers just looks for him deep. And there was two or three instances last night, and he only caught one of them where it was just, all right, throwing it up to you, make a play. And more often than not, he has been. I yeah. was more impressed by that third quarter catch that he had where he had no business getting both feet in bounds and going up to get it, and he looked great. Like, I, I just... Uh, there's there's not enough superlatives I can say for Scantling right now. I am all in on him. Uh, if if I could acquire him in the auto new leagues, I would be paying probably a pretty penny for him. Like talk about keeper and dynasty formats. Right. I think he's right up there as far as guys that are going to have a good future moving forward. All right, uh, on the Pat side of the ball, Josh Gordon 10, 10 targets, five for one thirty and one. I mean, it's you know it's on with Josh Gordon. I mean, we can't trust him to hang around. We never we knew that disappear. was going to. I told you, I told you that was going to happen entering the week. I'm I. Yep. Don't don't look into those numbers and say, oh, Josh Gordon's this Randy Moss now. I, don't do that. You're making a mistake. Okay. Packers don't know what to do against tall, fast receivers. And same with small receiving running backs. They have no clue. All right. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> Sorry. I had, no, it's okay. It's a good disclaimer. A Packers fan. Um, the other one on this one. So Cordauer Patterson. <laughs> He, so he's running back. Yay. <laughs> I mean, we saw a little of it last week. We saw a lot of it last night. 11 carries for 61 and a touchdown. So now, if you own Sony Michelle and he comes back maybe in week 10, they play the, at Tennessee and then they've got to buy. What, what do you do here? I mean, look at it. They're, they're not just going to. If Michelle comes back, look, they spent a first round pick on Michelle and he's part of the. He, he's going to be some sort of reasonably vital cog in their offense. But Michelle comes back. I'm finding it hard to believe that they're going to look at Patterson and go, yeah, all right, you go back to return kicks. Thank you for your service at running back. We'll see you sometime soon if we need you. I, I, I have a hard time looking at it that way right now. I think, I think he's good enough and pl- has played well enough where you go, all right, we got to stick with this for a little bit, at least part of the time, right? I want the listeners to picture me saying this in my best Al Michaels' voice, Patterson's their, 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 their big back. He's their big back. He's going to get those goal line carries. He's their big back. <laughs> I disagree. Like, they kept saying that over and over. That's the Packers' defense is an aptitude. I, I actually think that they are going to just send him right back to returning kicks. Like, they've shown that he could do it. But when you have a guy that's superior in running, which I would assume Michelle is superior in running, hence why they spent a first-round pick on him. And then you have a guy like James White who should be healthier um, that you can maybe take more of the load off. Kenyon Barter can do White's job easily, especially with their schedule moving forward the next two or three weeks. I anticipate Barner could fill in if White were to miss any time. Yep. I think that Patterson actually probably does get relegated back to the shadow realm. Like I, I just don't think that he's going to have to do that much. It was great that he could fill in, but that to me felt more like the Patriots and Bill Belichick in particular 
scheming to make a player more effective as opposed to a player actually being effective at that role. All right. And it sounds like why it's going to be okay. But, um, oh, yeah. yeah. I was just saying if they, yeah. if they chose to rest him right. in any sort of capacity, Barner can fill in that role. Like, it's not, not like they're going to bring in Patterson to be white. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. All right. So this, if you're a Michelle owner and you see on Wednesday he practiced in full, he's ready to play in week 10. Are you in? Are you without hesitation going, okay, fine, in, good? Are you, are you the least bit hesitant? Yeah, given I was uh, all in last night on starting him, despite him being inactive, uh, darn Sunday night starts that didn't end up working out for you. I, I, yeah, I'm all in. It's against the Titans. This could be a situation like Dalvin Cook, though, where the Patriots have a week allowed. Is there any real reason why they need to put Michelle out there, especially with Patterson doing as well as he has been? I don't know. But if he's a full practice Wednesday, I, I feel confident putting him in. I have no reservations. All right. Well, let's go Titans-Cowboys tonight. I mean, this is a horrible fantasy game. We talked about Amari Cooper a little bit last week. Does does a does a Titan step up? If you're playing like a showdown DFS, mm. is there a Titan you lean toward? I I don't know if I would feel comfortable. This is this is one of those I'm I'm not gambling, I'm not DFSing tonight kind of things like me personally. But if you feel the need to, and you know, by golly, go ahead and do that. I, I guess I would go Corey Davis. I that Cowboys defense has looked. I think a lot, a lot better than what people are anticipating. And Corey Davis just is due. Like he just gets so much of those target shares. All you need is a touchdown and probably four or five catches, which he does on the regular, or at least he's getting targeted like he should. Um, where that makes a, a ton of sense value wise. Like I, I just don't know this. Like how high scoring you think this game is going to be? I could see the Cowboys winning twenty one seventeen, and yeah. that might be the highest amount of points I want to give either team. I think you're probably right. I mean, the over-under is, what, 40, 40 and a half, something like that. I don't have it in front of me, but it's somewhere around there. So. Yeah. So I, I'm going with Corey Davis, the guy that could step up. And maybe you get a Marcus Murray with a rushing touchdown, which makes him a bit more valuable, especially if you were to put him in the showdown and get the double-point indicator for him. Um, like, that could happen. By no means do I think this is going to be a high-scoring affair. And I don't think Dak Prescott's going to be gunslinging his way past any team either, even with Mari Cooper, who... He's the guy. Like, if I'm picking somebody to get the double point score on DraftKings, give me every bit of Mari Cooper. They're they're going to force feed him the ball. It's going to be gross. Yeah. Like, you're going to see him get like 20 targets. And you're like, why? Why? Look at Cole Beasley is literally he's pulling a Lamar Jackson and running right down the side of the field, and yet no one's throwing to him. Why not? Oh, it's because we have to throw it to Cooper for the 15th time in a row. That's what's going to happen. You know, Jerry Jones is in Garrett's ear saying, "Hey, uh, we uh, we got to make we got to make Cooper look good tonight." Uh, Gotta make sure he gets plenty of looks tonight. I love it's the good to have. The impressions are an added part of the show that no one else brings, that Derek never brings. So I appreciate that. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome, listeners. <laughs> All right, Joe, what else you got going on? Uh, well, that's about it. We, I would be doing the basketball podcast, which we do every Monday with Alex Perutha. I think that's going to get tabled to Tuesday or Thursday, depending on which works best for our schedule. So stay tuned for that on the uh, Rotowire Podcast Network. And uh, yeah, I'm still. I'll, I'll be. I'll go back to the bench. Next time I can join you for the NFL podcast. Uh, that would be awesome. Can't wait for it. This, is, this has been a fun three days. I've enjoyed it. It really has, but it's been a good time. All right. Um, everybody, listeners to this podcast, get a free 10-day Rotowire trial, rotowire.com slash pod. No credit card needed for that. You can check out nearly all the features on the site. So take a look now. Again, rotowire.com slash pod. 
Uh, please leave reviews and ratings wherever you're listening. We always appreciate them. And thank you for listening to this edition of the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast. Jake and I will be here on Tuesday, as usual, to look at your free agent options. Uh, I have a feeling Mike Davis will be leading off, but we will talk about a lot more detail on Tuesday. So please come on back then. For Joe Bartle, I'm John Halpin. See you next time. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.